The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. What's up, guys? We are back on the Air Attack. I, of course, am your pal, BC. You can follow me on Twitter at BC, a.k.a. The Man. Check out the show at Facebook.com slash The Air Attack, and you can find every episode on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Uh, back on schedule this week. Uh, speaking of which, shout out to anybody listening from an airport. My God, all the planes are just down. That's just it. They just stopped. Don't get me wrong. They landed first. I mean, but they, they're just not They're just not running. There's some kind of computer error. They, they know it's not a cyber attack, but they don't know what exactly caused it? Canada's having a problem at the same time, and it's all just one big coincidence. No problem, I buy it. Just like everything else. Nah, no problem. You sell it, I buy it. Not, not a problem, guys. You, you go ahead and get the airplanes running whenever you, you get a chance. Just I, I, take your time. Take your time. I don't, I don't want you to rush. I don't want you, if you're finishing up a vacation or something, you guys, when you're good and ready, you get back to the planes. This isn't just Southwest this time. This is all the planes. Yeah, no big deal. The key is to just pretend like all this is normal. That's the that's the way to get through this. Just pretend like it's normal. Pretend it's not happening, but if it is happening, it's normal. But it's not happening, so don't worry about it. My God. I can only imagine if this was going on three, four years ago, how the reaction would be. Anyway, um, also, they what they found documents now of Biden's somewhere they're not supposed to be, more classified documents, which I was told was the worst thing ever. Again, a few months ago, but now it's the it's it's just fine. I got it. I got it. I buy it. I buy whatever you're selling. I buy my gas stove is going to kill me now. I got it. I got it. Can't have a gas stove. They're highly dangerous. And three months ago, they were fine. And for your entire childhood, they were fine. But now they're going to kill you because AOC said so on Instagram. OK, you clowns have any idea what that's going to do to your local economies and what that's going to do to your local restaurant, which is obviously the point of all this. But what that's going to do. Okay, if they can't use gas stoves to cook, okay, are you are you completely and utterly just removed from reality? My God, give me a break. You know, during Hurricane Sandy, remember that was about ten years ago or so. That sucked. The one thing, like the one silver lining, was my place had a gas stove, so at least I could cook. I just bought a bunch of food, and it looked like the power was going to be out for a while. So I'm like, you know what? At least I can cook some things. And people who have gas heat in their homes, at least they can keep it hot. But just like the airlines, your electric stove can be shut off. Electricity can be shut down. You can shut the airlines down. You can shut down electricity. And a lot of people think that that's the whole idea. Anyway, gas stoves are going to kill you. Got to get them all out. Got to get them out fast, too. Okay? Because the weird-faced governor of New York said so. My goodness. Okay, no problem. Also very normal. The FTX logo is finally off of the Miami Heat's arena. Apparently, it took a judge to make this happen, which is, once again, super, super normal. Um, the Miami Heat basically sold you on the idea that this was a legit business, and I'm sure there are people who saw that and said, you know what, no problem. Just like they saw Tom Brady, just like they saw Matt Damon pushing this stuff. I'm not saying crypto is bad. I'm not saying that. I'm saying FTX is. And uh, as we all know, Sam Bankman-Fried back in the United States, he's on under house arrest with his parents when he's not in court in New York City, flies back and forth, business class, the whole nine yards, still living in luxury. Not quite sure reality has set in for this kid. But then again, maybe it has. FTX just found $5 billion in assets with a B, billion, billion, not million, billion, B, billion, $5 billion in assets. They just found them. Hey, look, guys, look what we have. Here's $5 billion. We didn't have this money yesterday, and now we do. And hey, I tell you what, maybe if you go easy on me, I can find more of it. That's the impression you got. Once that kid pled not guilty, even with his girlfriend pleading guilty, even with his buddies turning on him, they already entered guilty pleas. 
They already agreed to testify against him. He still pleads not guilty because, it, just in my mind, this is, this is just me speculating and some, some of my friends as well. Hey, listen, maybe if I hold out long enough, the people whose, whose names I know that I'm associated with, people I helped out politically, maybe they'll put pressure on the people prosecuting me. Or maybe I can offer to just, quote unquote, find more money. Wouldn't that be better? What, what's better, me being in jail or those people having their money? You can't get both. Which one is it? And this, to me, is the scenario that you find yourself in right now. This kid's fascinating. He is. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a fan of him. I would never want to spend time alone with him. I would not, wouldn't want to spend time in a bar socializing with him. Not my kind of guy. Not at all. But I'm still fascinated. I'm fascinated by this entire thing. So we'll see which way this goes here. But uh, this reminds me of a, a thing I saw on Netflix last year. There was an art heist in Boston, and they traced it back to the mob. And basically, the idea was there were guys who were being questioned who knew where the stolen artwork was, but they were using that stolen artwork as leverage. Even though they were suspects, they were using it as leverage to maybe get out of trouble or get other people out of trouble. Like, hey, you want your artwork back? Hey, okay, no problem. How bad do you want it back? You really want to put me in jail, or do you want the art back? And that's kind of what this feels like right here. Now, do they need this kid to get all the money back? I really don't know. I, I happen to think that he believes they do. He probably thinks that he's the only way they can get all of this cash. That may or may not be true. But if I just kind of look at the dynamic here where, you know, his, his little ex-girlfriend or one of his girlfriends, they're all sharing each other, apparently. Like he's living in some home where there's like free love and not a lot of bathing and there's Adderall and probably every other drug you can get your hands on. And they're just living like a bunch of weirdos. And they're obviously schemers. They're obviously sociopaths. They're living very public lives while at the same time doing things they know are illegal and that someone has to realize at some point is going to get them caught. I mean, you're leaving a digital trail of all the, all the transactions that you're making. So to me, this is a sort of dig yourself in deeper type of scenario amongst a bunch of sociopaths. And when it melts down, the finger pointing begins. To me, there's not a lot of trust here. I guess that's what I'm getting at. There's just not a lot of loyalty, not a lot of trust. So Sam Bankman-Fried may very well believe that they need him to get a bunch of money back. And hey, can I use this as leverage to keep my ass out of jail along with my political connections? Fascinating thing. Not my kind of guy. Not a guy I want to spend time with. Don't want to go to a ball game with him. Also, I don't think he knows what ball games are. That's neither here nor there. Not my kind of guy. But I do find this kind of fascinating. Okay, on to the football and, of course, the gambling portion of the program. Uh, national championship game, real quickly, just an ass-kicking. You could have made a case at halftime that the game could have been 28-14. to 14. That really wasn't much of a stretch. You had 10 points scored by Georgia on TCU turnovers with short fields, right? You had the early field goal, and you had the touchdown late in the second half. You also had a blown pass by Max Duggan, and I'm sorry. Listen, the kid had a great year, but he did not play well in this game. I was concerned about this. I said this on the show last week. You know, I might, if I had to take a side, I would lean TCU or TCU team total over, but what I was taking was the over, and that's what we put up on Twitter. Again, you follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, and by the way, we finished the college season on a 4-0 run, so a, a pretty good time to, to get things going there, but uh, he was just bad. The pressure was too much for him. He had a wide-open receiver, though, streaking down the middle of the field who might have scored if, if the pass was thrown in the right spot it wasn't it was thrown to a Georgia defender and so it was 38 to 7 at halftime and at that point it was basically over 
I had to sweat out the total because you knew at some point Kirby Smart was just going to start running the ball. Still stayed a little bit aggressive and put the backups in and for some reason went for it on a fourth and six or fourth and seven near the red zone. Okay, but certainly worked to my benefit. Georgia goes ahead and, and covers the over on their own and uh, scores 66 points. Total was 63. Got it again at 62. I don't know what people were thinking. Uh, late money, once they hit 14, I guess they said that was their number and they'll buy back on TCU. But all that action on TCU and the under late uh, just suggested that Georgia was going to have a tough time moving the football. I thought that was just an insane, insane thought. When you look at how easily Michigan moved the football against TCU. Now, the scoreboard didn't reflect it because they fumbled on the goal line and because they went for it on fourth down in the red zone, but they gave away 10 points right there. And you have to realize TCU scored two points on pick sixes. You know, were those situations really going to replicate themselves? I know it's only one game, but that didn't exactly bode well for TCU's chances here. So I thought TCU might be able to move the ball, but I also thought the blocking was going to be an issue. I thought the blocking might lead to points or the lack thereof for TCU might lead to some points from Georgia if they got enough hits on Max Duggan. Um, either, you know, one way or the other. Either they were going to create turnovers or they were going to create really good field position for themselves. Both those things happened. TCU did have, like I said, a big opportunity in the second half to sort of keep it close, but that's all, in my opinion, that they would have been doing at that point. I think you just had one team that was better than the other, one team much deeper than the other. Great season from TCU. I mean, really remarkable to get to a national championship game, and I, I'm sure they would have liked to win. It, it would have taken a lot for them to win that game. It was going to probably take just as much good fortune, if not more, than it took against Michigan, bottom line. And, and that would have been with the quarterback playing well. He did not have a good game. I get it. It's, it's tough when you're running for your life and you get a little bit demoralized and then your, your linemen get, get disillusioned and the whole thing kind of unravels. But uh, the best team won in the end. Now, for those saying TCU didn't belong in the game and everything else and then squawking about a 12-team playoff, well, a 12-team playoff would keep TCU out of this game. As far as I'm concerned, they would have had to win three games just to get to the championship game. I don't know that that would have happened. If you run down some of the teams that they might have faced, like TCU versus USC, who do you got there? I know USC's defense is crap and everything else, but USC would still be a favorite in that game. Or how about if they had to play Penn State? Penn, Penn State would probably be on a neutral field. They'd probably be a six, seven-point favorite over TCU. At least that's, that's, that's where I'd have them. And just go down the, the list of teams. Tennessee. Tennessee versus TCU. Who do you think would be favored in that game? The one thing I will say, though, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12 and all these new teams shuffling in, like BYU is now going to be a Big 12 team, you could get a conference champion in the Big 12 that's not ranked very high. But you know what? There's going to be 12 teams in there. That's just what it is. So if the, if the Big 12 champion is ranked 19th in the country, hey, listen, it's a 12-team playoff. You're going to get some stragglers. That's okay. So kids are getting paid now. If they tried this a few years ago when the kids weren't able to get paid, then adding three or four games to the back end of the college football schedule might not have gone over so well. But now the kids can get paid, so they can justify it, and you get your 12-team playoff. It'll, it'll be another thing that'll be fascinating to watch. You might not agree with it in principle, but you'll enjoy watching it, bottom line. NFL, uh, Week 18, a uh, little bit of drama over the weekend coming in. They obviously decided to not resume the Bills-Bengals game, so now you have the potential for a neutral site AFC championship a coin flip possibly between the Ravens and Bengals, but I guess that didn't happen, right? Because they're, they're playing in Cincinnati this Sunday. But, it, you know, a couple of just wrinkles that you haven't seen before in the NFL. The NFL was up against it. Um, that's, just, that's just the reality of the situation. If they, again, if they want to add a bye between the playoffs and the last week of the regular season, just in case something like this happens, and you can just you could actually make the excuse, hey, listen, we want to give the guys a chance to, to recharge and sort of reload after a longer season. I, I could see them doing that in the future. 
But they didn't have that luxury this year, and the bottom line was either what is going to come down to is this, delay the playoffs or get rid of that game and come up with something else. And this is what they came up with. The Chiefs roll over the Raiders, so it takes a little bit of the drama out of Sunday. But I said before on this, on, on this show and, and on Twitter, and again, you follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan, the Bills wanted to win that game. The, the Bills absolutely find some value in being the two seed. Once Lamar Hamlin was up and about and at least having conversations, he was able to FaceTime the team. I think the mindset from the Bills went from, uh, you know, should we be even, even be playing? How can we concentrate to, hey, let's get this done. Now you got some inspiration. That crowd kind of helped them get there. Also, two kickoff returns from Naheem Hines uh, helped them get there. The Buffalo offense has, has not been itself lately. I understand teams catch up. They see some things on film. Josh Allen, especially in the red zone, just something to keep an eye on here. Maybe not this particular week, but something to keep an eye on in these playoffs. The Jags over the Titans, 20-16, to very lucky to get this win. You kind of had the feeling their defense was going to have to do something. They were getting after the quarterback a little bit. Both these coaches kind of unveiled plays you hadn't seen before. They were just, you know, throwing the ball left and right, just lateral city, uh, just to kind of see who could outdo each other and who could just uh, put the goofiest look out there on the field. In the end, the Jags get a, a defensive score late, obviously, they win the division. I don't think the Jags will be this tight this week, though. I think I think getting in, I think a, t- a situation like that where a, a city hasn't been to the playoffs in a while and you're Trevor Lawrence and you're, you're a brand-new coach and it, it's, it's on you to get this team back into the postseason and get them a home playoff game, that might be the more pressure-filled situation. It might be. Now, speaking of insane coaches, they're going to face Brandon Staley and the Chargers in that home playoff game. Brandon Staley has very little to play for against Denver last week starts Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, and then Mike Williams. Mike Williams, who, and I'm, I'm not criticizing the man. I don't criticize guys for getting injured. Okay, I'd have to start, I'd have to start off by taking a look at a mirror if I was going to go that direction. Mike Williams has a hard time staying on the field. What is he doing playing against Denver? And he goes and he hurts his back. Now, his, his issue this year has mainly been his ankle. And now you got a back injury? Now, you, you know something, too. If you've been hurt enough or if you've had a back problem, your back can affect the rest of your body, and the rest of your body can affect your back. What is he doing out there? What the, You're not going to tell me one has nothing to do with the other. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it's just a freak thing. doesn't matter. The man is injury prone. What is he doing on the field against Denver? You want to put him out there for a couple of plays? Okay, fine. Why is he playing the whole game? He kept his starters in for, I think he played them into the fourth quarter and then pulled him. It's all about him. The only thing that matters to Brandon Staley is doing the bizarre, engaging in strange behavior. That's what matters to him. As long as he is the center of attention, even to the point of sabotage, it's just another one of those situations. I don't know how many times it has to happen right in front of you for you to see it or to acknowledge it. The man is just not normal, and he just doesn't care. So Mike Williams, they, they said they like his chances to play this week. I don't know about that, especially you're, you're talking about a Saturday game, one less day of rest. That matters, folks, especially with something like your back. And then playing doesn't necessarily mean playing well. It doesn't mean effective. You could start a guy, he might play through. Like he played against the Chiefs. He caught one pass, and that was it. That was it. That Sunday night game back and forth. And if you look at the analytics, and Brandon Staley certainly does, Mike Williams on the field versus off the field makes a big difference for the Chargers. So see if he can go on Saturday night. That'll be fun. That'll be a lot of fun to watch. I have a feeling it'll be a lot more fun to just watch that game and not have any action on it because those coaches, at least one of those coaches, if not both, are going to drive you insane with some of the stuff they do.
There's going to be a fourth down play. There's going to be a trick play that blows up. Something crazy is going to happen where you're going to be cursing the coach that you've backed in that game. So we'll see what we do with that game. Um, I kind of thought that might be the early game, but they're going to give you they're going to give you the Niners and Seahawks. I guess they they figure the Seahawks are the sacrificial lamb to throw at the four o'clock Saturday spot. So, uh, by the way, tread lightly with that game. Terrible weather coming. You already have a slow track in San Francisco. The total now is down to like 42 and a half. You're wondering why that total is so low. I'll tell you why. You have a grass field that's going to take a lot of rain. It's supposed to rain, and there's supposed to be a hellacious amount of wind. Add to that, we all know Pete Carroll has a love affair with running the football, even if he does have home run threats and DK Metcalf and, and Tyler Lockett. And, you know, Geno Smith's got a big arm. He likes to run the ball. Kyle Shanahan loves long, time-consuming drives. And if you take these elements into account, there might not be much of a kicking game. So you may have to get the ball into the red zone just to reasonably attempt a field goal if it's going to be as windy and as rainy and as muddy. You're going to get to a point, basically, where a 42, 43-yard field goal is really going to be a reach. I mean, it could be. If you're talking about 20, 25-mile-per-hour winds on a field that's all torn up. Now, we don't know about the weather. We don't know that it's absolutely going to play out the way they say. But it looks like you're going to have a very wet, very windy day. This total looks low for a reason. So short passing game now becomes more important. Advantage, obviously, 49ers. Running game becomes more important. Probably advantage again, 49ers. Seahawks can't stop anybody on the ground. They're, not, they're, they're actually, they've got good numbers in the air, but they also don't have the, the best resume of opposing offenses to go ahead and, and really brag about those numbers. Seahawks' run defense, though, is real tough. So advantage, obviously, 49ers. They're going to put that game early. But I tread lightly. you got some bad weather there. Obviously, you got a, a third-string quarterback. He's a rookie quarterback, first playoff game. A lot can happen there. So just take it easy. You don't have to bet every, everything in your wallet on that first playoff game. It's a long weekend. Okay, the NFL's made sure of that. 1 o'clock Sunday, you'll get the Dolphins and Bills. Now, this should just be another ass-kicking. It should. The line is already up to 13. What I don't like about this, first of all, the Dolphins stagger into the playoffs. They sneak by the Jets 9-6 to on Sunday. Why does Mike McDaniel have to waste everyone's time pretending like Tua might play this Sunday? I mean, I understand there's some gamesmanship involved. A lot of coaches do it. This kid, though, this coach... Of the Dolphins has had such an atrocious run. You know what? Maybe just lose the attitude. Maybe just lose the act that you're fooling somebody. I know a lot of people like this. We all do. Where they just keep it going and they keep it going and they have this almost goofball sense of confidence and this goofball air of bravado. Like they're fooling people. Like you're not fooling anyone, bud. You just went, you went winless for like two months. Okay? I don't think they'd won since Thanksgiving. Honestly. I mean, they were, they've been bad. He has been bad. And I know Tua's been in and out, but his handling of Tua is my point. He has not handled him properly. He never should have played the second half on Christmas against the Packers. And now you're playing coy with his injury status? Knock it off. Please, just stop. My God, what, what, is, what is the point of doing this? Is the point to aggravate as many people as possible? My God. So you're going to have a rough one there at 1 o'clock on Sunday. Now, this is fascinating at 4 o'clock. I, I am a Giants fan. So it was at 4.20, 4.30, whenever they're playing this game, 4.40 on Sunday afternoon. The Giants, to me, have a legitimate shot against Minnesota. They just played a few weeks ago. Probably should have won that game. Made some mistakes. First playoff game for Daniel. First playoff game for Saquon. First playoff game for some of these linemen. You're going to go into a hostile environment. I get it. Pretty good home field advantage for the Vikings. But the Vikings... And the Giants both have negative point differentials this year, believe it or not. Both teams have won a bunch of close games. I know Minnesota won their division. I know they were a one-loss team for a long time. They were lucky to win some of these games, though. Late kicks, you know, the game on, uh, on Christmas weekend, on Christmas Eve against the Colts. They had no business winning that game. 
The Vikings have sort of tiptoed through the raindrops this year, considering the you know, second-place team there in that division was, were the 9-8 Lions. That, that's the reality of the situation. They just didn't have pressure on them all year. Tough matchup for them, too, with the Giants' pass rush coming together. Early in the year, they, they saw Kayvon Thibodeau and Aziz Ojolari both miss time. Those guys are back. They've gotten better. They're healthier. And that Minnesota offensive line is not the greatest. And Kirk Cousins does get a case of happy feet. He's got the happiest feet in the league. He does not like getting hit. Okay, and once he sees a pass rush, he wants that ball out of his hands. If the Giants can get some consistent pressure against him, that'll sort of offset some of the deficiencies they have in the secondary. They're just beat up in the secondary. They still got guys that can play. They're getting a couple guys back, but they've been beat up there all year. But the pass rush has made a big difference. Week Martindale is now getting attention uh, as, as a possible head coaching candidate. Not sure that's the best idea for him, although the money is the money, right? Not sure it's the best fit for him. Obviously, the Giants don't want to lose him, but first things first. Brian Dayball gets this team to a playoff game, and if they keep it together and they, they keep the mistakes to a minimum, the Giants absolutely, absolutely are a live underdog on the road at Minnesota. Again, you may think there's some bias in there. I'm just trying to, trying to call it the way I see it. And real quickly, by the way, we're speaking of the Detroit Lions. They go into Green Bay and beat the Packers on Sunday night. The Packers made more mistakes. I, I, I grabbed them live. I was on the Packers live. We had a, we've had a nice run in the NFL and college lately. I, I, the, the Packers went down to minus four live, and I grabbed them. Why? Jared Goff was way off, way off early in this game, and they had the Lions defense looking like they were playing on roller skates, and it looked like like the Green Bay Packers were finally just going to take care of business. Aaron Rodgers and the guys were just going to get this done. I thought the Lions would come to play. I'm not, not surprised at all that they put up an effort there, and it's a big deal for them to get to a winning season. It's a big deal for the Lions to knock the Packers out of the playoffs. It's a big deal for the Lions to be a second-place team. It is. I'm not trying to be, belittle them, but the mistakes the Packers made were just ridiculous. The drop passes, you had the uh, Aaron Jones fumble that was very costly. You had Matt LaFleur on a third down not getting Mason Crosby closer on a cold night. When it's cold like that, the ball just doesn't go as far. You, you might lose 10 15% of your distance when it's as cold as it was. It was below 20 degrees. When it's that cold, the ball doesn't go as far. You had wind there. He doesn't get extra yardage. Mason Crosby ends up hitting the crossbar. That was a blunder. You had uh, A.J. Dillon dropping a pass that would have gotten them in the red zone. They settled for a field goal on that drive. That may have cost him points. A big drop by Romeo Dobbs on a perfect pass by Aaron Rodgers. And then you had another bizarre play in a primetime game. Rasul Douglas, there's a timeout. Rasul Douglas just go, walks up to the line of scrimmage and slaps the ball away from the long snapper. Even after a timeout, boom, 15-yard penalty. You say, okay, 15 yards. 15 yards is a big deal when it comes to field goals. Real big deal. You're talking about a 48-yard attempt versus a 33-yard attempt. I think that's how it broke down. That's a real big deal, especially on a real cold night. It's ridiculous. Quay Walker shoves one of the trainers from the Lions. What is going on over there? I don't blame Aaron Rodgers for thinking about retiring. My goodness. All right. Anyway, so no Packers in the playoffs. Bottom line. But um, that was just a mistake. That was just re that was an embarrassment from the Packers. You know, you win some, you lose some. I get it. I understand that. But there were. I mean, how many self-destructive teams can one? How many self-destructive things? Excuse me. Can one team do? In, in the biggest game of the year. It's amazing. It's like they want to go home. Craziness. Sunday night, uh, Bengals-Ravens. Um, I'm going to jump on the Bengals most likely as a teaser leg. Not quite sure who I'm going to pair them with, although I think I just gave you a pretty good hint if, uh, if you listen closely to the Giants and Vikings preview there. But the, the Bengals, to me, minus two at this point. That's a teaser leg. Makes a lot of sense. Laying the eight might make sense, too. I think if Tyler Huntley is announced out, this game goes up to 10 or even 11. So I know there's been a lot of salesmanship around the NFL that any team who makes the playoffs this year can make a run, yada, yada, yada. I, I don't believe that. I think it's the Bengals, Chiefs, Bills in the AFC. Uh, one last game on Monday night, Bucks, Cowboys. This sets up, excuse me, sets up to me.
as a lower scoring game. I, I think the the Bucks have made it clear that the short passing game is what they're going with. Tom Brady does not want to get hit, and now look who's coming to town. So you want those guys chasing around after you if you're Tom Brady while you wait for a Julio Jones to free up downfield, which is kind of a tall order because he hasn't done that all year. Or is it going to be dink, dunk, you know, eight-yard routes, 12-yard routes, that kind of thing. Try to get something going with the run game, which they're going to have a tough time with there. And then on the other side of the ball, it's not much different. I mean, the the Bucks' pass rush is not what it once was, obviously. Their defense is okay. Another overrated defense, in my opinion. Another defense that's had a lot of injuries this year to deal with, just to be fair. But Dak Prescott has really, really had a rough go of it. How much is Mike McCarthy going to let him loose, honestly? So to me, that's, that's, an, that's an under or nothing on Monday night. So far for me, it's nothing. I have nothing going on so far. Anything that I'm involved with, um, check back on the Twitter account at BC, AK the man. Obviously, it will be there well before uh, any games that I am involved in. So go ahead and just circle the Bengals minus two as a teaser leg and sort of keep that in mind. Uh, but right now, nothing definitive to give you. Well, we had, we've had a good run on the show and on Twitter. Same picks. I don't I don't give you one here and a different one there. That wouldn't make me a very good guy at all. Now, would it? Uh, but check back on the Twitter account at BC, AK the man. And uh, you'll find out everything that I'm on uh, as soon as I am. And with that, that is all the time we got this week on The Air Attack. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you check out Facebook.com slash The Air Attack. Follow me on Twitter at BCAKTheMan. And remember, The Air Attack with BC The Man can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Subscribe and share today. Let's close it out today with a lace. All right, all right. I am BC The Man. See you guys next week on The Air Attack. Swing my way, we could go out and play somewhere in MIA. No worries, we do this every day. We get the cake, so no mistake. Ain't nothing fake in the morning, we can fade. And then we ride, you know, we slide to the other side. All night, we gon' vibe. Go drink and smoke, so roll up. I know you're about that, so shout it, turn up. You got money, you make them big bucks. On Instagram with your big buck, huh? I like the style. Smile. Let's get wild for a while, maybe have a child high. I'm just joking, smoking something potent. Cause you know that getting to the money's more potent. You a boss girl, and I'm a boss too. So let's do what we do and make the boss moves. I got your number, so I'ma call you. And this is what I thought when I saw you. I see you looking good, girl. I see you looking good, girl. I see you getting money, girl. like a queen all about your green every day pursue your dream you bossed up you laced out because you out here on the grind doing what they ain't about you ain't about no drama ain't worry about these hoes you laughing at these niggas you focused on your goals i-n-d-e girl you independent m-i-a 305 girl i represent it you a hustler i'm a hustler thing in common let's get this money i know you hear it calling dumb sucker haters they fear to see us falling they want to see us falling but they won't because we can't laugh it straight to the bank after that we blowing dank so shout it what you think you deserve a man a man that understands step before this love, we gotta get them grins.
business before pleasure. Little mama, do your thing in more cheddar. Holla at your boy whenever. And this the last thing I had to tell ya. I see you looking good, girl. I see you looking good, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you getting money, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. I see you riding clean, girl. Alright, 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 alright. I see you looking good, girl. Left it straight to the bank. 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 Left it straight to the bank.